Hello, kings and queens and in-between sinner saints, and I don't know if I is or I ain't. Welcome to another fabulous episode of Yes, Jesus! That's right, it's me, Daniel Franzese, and as always, I'm here with my co-host, Azariah Southworth. And one other extra special guest, Truby Trollop, because who is a fantastic bril- burlesque star and the niece of Dolly Parton, because today's episode theme is the queer gospel of Dolly Parton. Mm. Now, get a seat in the pew pew pews and join me, Azariah and Truvy, because here at Yash Jesus, we believe... Jesus is a Lord, but Dolly is an icon. And a saint, darling. That's Amen. right. So sit tight. We're going to talk about Dolly today and with Truvy. But first, <laughs> today's news comes to us from the algorithms of Amazon. A spokesperson for the company has said Amazon has ceased selling books that frame LGBTQ plus identity as a mental illness. This came up because four Republican U.S. senators wrote to Amazon why the thoroughly anti-transgender book, When Harry Became Sally, Responding to the Transgender Moment by Ryan T. Anderson, was no longer available on Amazon. In the book, Ryan Anderson argues against gender transition procedures, highlights people who regret having undergone them, and says there are better ways to deal with gender dysphoria, such as making them go through conversion therapy to become comfortable in the gender they were assigned at birth. I'm so glad that Amazon is doing this, okay? I'm not a person that's about censorship at all. I think that we should hear every side to every story and blah, blah, blah. But when it comes to situations like this, things that have to do with conversion therapy, with having, with, with, with having to do with people, um, with twisting the truth and making, and it could cause so much damage. So kudos to Amazon, one <laughs> of the most evil entities of the world for doing something good like it's nice to see um that they are you know that corporate uh greed doesn't doesn't matter more than a person's uh health well then you're gonna love this danny because amazon responded in writing saying this as to your specific question about when harry became sally we have chosen not to sell books that frame lgbtq plus identity as a mental illness Amazon provides access to a variety of viewpoints, including books that some customers may find objectionable. That said, we reserve the right not to sell certain content. All retailers make decisions about what selection they choose to offer, as do we. See, this is so important. Period. Call it out by name. Say what it is. Mm -hmm. uh, Tell them why. And, you know, they they could have just removed this title and not uh, made a stand and a statement. But um, I think this is a wonderful, uh, progressive move. Um, As tiny as it may seem, just taking one book off the shelves, they're, they're making a stand saying no books like this are allowed here. And I think that's important and great. Thank you, Amazon. Appreciate Amen. that. Amen. That, that is a praise report if I ever heard one, which brings <laughs> us to the part of our show where we do the praise report and the prayer request. This is where if you have something that you just want to thank God a little extra about this week um, and can't keep it to yourself and want to share it with us, we'll say hallelujah with you. Or if you have a prayer request where you just need a little bit of an extra push, you want us to put you on your prayer list, uh, you could write into us. 
An anonymous prayer request comes to us from one of our weekly listeners in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. This listener is getting married in just a few days and asks us to pray for a smooth wedding day that all their friends and family will enjoy. Oh, God bless you on your gay nuptials. Uh, yeah. We love to hear it. We love to see it. And uh, we will definitely be praying for you. Uh, this one uh, comes to us from Alec. I've accepted an invite to speak at New York City's Pride Festival's Human Rights Conference this summer alongside a short screening of the, of the drag performer episode of COVID Confessions, a digital documentary series highlighting stories from workers in industries impacted by the pandemic. So far, we've done sit-down interviews with more than 100 people across 15 different industries with plans to reach more than 300 workers across 45 industries by the end of 2021. That is beautiful. We're going to keep you in prayer. Uh, I hope that you make your goal of reaching all those people. It's important that these stories get told and uh, visibility is definitely something that is needed. So uh, praise God on that. And uh, we're going to take a little break and we will be right back with the scripture of the day. Stay tuned. of the day scripture of the day oh 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 scripture of the day oh oh it's soul food that's right it's a scripture of the day it is first samuel as he tell us all about it oh first samuel 16 7 we love this queen do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because i have rejected him for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. That's right. And today we're going to talk about that beautiful, busty, backwoods Barbie, that servant of God <laughs> with a huge heart, Dolly Parton. Uh, or as we could refer to her, Saint Dolly Parton. Dolly Parton has been on the scene for over 50 years, and she continues to come back better and stronger every single day. Not even come back. She's never went anywhere. She's always been there. <laughs> Amazing well, and wonderful. <laughs> and St. Dolly's been having a resurgence lately, but, you know, she's always kind of having a resurgence. But in the last couple years, she's sort of appeared everywhere. And another podcast went in deep with Dolly. And if you haven't checked it out, it's called Dolly's Pardons America. That will give you a deep dive into her history, her motivation, and her determination. So this episode is dedicated to Thanksgiving to God for gifting us with Dolly Parton. And Danny, we have a very special guest with us today. They're going to help us get the inside scoop. She is a burlesque dancer. She is the costume archivist at the museum at Dollywood, and she is Dolly's niece. So please give a yes, Jesus welcome to Truvy Trollop. Hi, what a welcome introduction. Thank you. <laughs> oh, we're so happy to be here. Um, but we are, we are so ready to get into Dolly. But before we get into Dolly, let's mm -hmm. get into you, girl. You are a burlesque performer. Talk to us about that. How, how did you get into that? I mean, I guess I was raised by showgirls and it's kind of a natural <laughs> progression. I don't know if you've ever seen my Aunt Dolly, but uh, she's kind of already a burlesque performer. Um, I remember watching like 
Bessel Whorehouse in Texas when I was in like fifth grade and just being like enamored with whatever they were doing. And I was like, song and dance and sex, give it to me. And so like, but there I'm ain't nothing always, dirty going on. Yeah. in this little, little bitty pissant country place. But you know, like my mom is also a showgirl and my aunt Rachel is a showgirl and they are the closest women in my life as moms. And like, you know, I always grew up as a dancer. I was in, you know, on the competition team and did all that stuff. And as I grew up, it just became one of the things that I felt like I could do because I didn't fit a societal body type. And so I didn't really feel like I had a place in the regular dance industry as a backup dancer or something like that. So I kind of started my career because I didn't really feel like I fit in anywhere in the other dance realms. And burlesque was one of those places that was really body positive. And I felt like, you know, that was my place. I feel like Dolly's always been body positive. Dolly's always been sort of just like, I mean, the first like non-slut shamer, you know what I mean? Like the first person to say, be who you want to be and how you are. I, I, Dolly, as a gay kid growing up, I felt like Dolly always made me comfortable in my own skin because she's so comfortable in her own. Um, there is sort of like a body is a temple moment about that. Uh, there, uh, do you find spirituality in your in your burlesque? Absolutely. I mean, for me, I am so in tune with my emotions and the things that drive me to dance. And it's an emotional thing to put yourself, you know, you're as a burlesque performer, you're very vulnerable when you go out on stage. You're almost nude and you're in places that, you know, people can be close to you. They can say things, they can boo at you. They can do whatever. <laughs> they, they can throw a quarter at you and like, that'll hurt your feelings. So, you know, it's a very vulnerable place to be. And like, you know, I've definitely gone above and beyond on like soul searching just to be able to do what I do. And I love that because it's made me the person that I am being able to, you know, work through all of those different things, but definitely being like a spiritual event to put something together from scratch that is you and throw it out on stage for people to see is like a spiritual adventure. Yeah. Well, they, de they definitely say showbiz in general, you have to have the skin of a rhinoceros and the heart of a lion. And I could only imagine how much more vulnerable it is to remove clothing as entertainment and what that feels like and, and what that how that makes people feel and how that makes you feel. It is an interesting uh, thing. Don't you think, Azzy? I do. You know, I, what I'm curious about is growing up in a house full of showgirls, you know, was there an age or do, do you have a memory of when you're like, this is what I want to do? And was there any advice that some of your family gave you that still sticks with you today when you made that decision to go into burlesque? Yeah, I started like ballet, tap and jazz when I was three years old. I was that kid. So, <laughs> you know, I remember one of my first dance recitals, I was doing ballet and we had these like bo boxes we were supposed to stand on. And I had this best friend in class who I'm still close to. Her name is Shelby. And these other girls got on mine and Shelby's boxes and we like elbowed them off our boxes on stage <laughs> during the recital. And like, I just remember always feeling at home on stage performing mm -hmm. for people. And, you know, because I kind of, grew up on the road a little bit with Dolly going on tour with her before I started even kindergarten, you know, mm -hmm. I always felt that 
energy that the audience gives you. And so like when I went on to be a performer in my own right as a dancer growing up, I was like, I want that energy forever. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, like what you said about having the skin of a rhinoceros, I don't have that. And so for me, I've never wanted to be famous. <laughs> like I don't want fame and fortune like Dolly does. I've never really, I've wanted those kinds of things as a kid growing up. Cause you, you're like, Oh, I want to be a singer and a dancer. But like, as an adult, I really enjoy my privacy and I love the part of burlesque that is still like an underground performance art. And so I kind of love that queen of the underground vibe mm -hmm. about it. Mm -hmm. And so that's <laughs> yeah. also a big draw for me is because it's not something that everybody does or knows about. And like, I like that vibe. Now, is your family supportive of that? It's hard to get people to see you in the underground kind of, you know, like, because a lot of that's... I. I, I <laughs> honestly i know it from comedy because there's some stand-up comedy places i would never let my mama walk into do you know what i'm saying like i i think burlesque and stripping and comedy are all the same we all you know are, are slanging in something i might you know i'm, I'm slanging jokes and we work for chicken wings i know all about it <laughs> yeah there's definitely like my mom came to my very first burlesque show and like you know she was supportive and always has been and my family for the most part is very supportive I never thought that Dolly would get an opportunity to see me perform and do burlesque because I don't really perform in venues that she could go to. Right. Um, but I had an opportunity to bring her to a show uh, in 2019. I performed at the Smoky Mountain Burlesque Festival in Knoxville. And it's at this famous historical theater that's there. And I told her, I was like, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I would really love it if you could come and, you know, maybe you can bring mom and aunt Rachel and y'all can have like a sister night and watch my show. And she was so gung ho about it because she wanted to support. And I'm telling y'all, Dolly brought her tour bus to the theater <laughs> Oh, and like wow. her and my mom and Rachel hung out on the bus and they like met the producers and they met the hosts. And then Dolly came after the show and like came onto the stage and met the cast and like took a cast oh. photo with all of us. And it was just like, she, when I saw her after the show, she like grabbed me and she was like, you look so beautiful. And like, I could see it in her face. She was like a little mama bear, you know, she's like a little proud mama. And it was, I kind of felt like I was back in a dance recital, but my boobs had been out. So, <laughs> but it was, it was fun to watch her because during that, it wasn't just me performing. I was only one performer of the night, but she got to experience what burlesque is that night. Mm. And she got to see a range of performers from classic to neo burlesque performers from, mm. you know, really thin and beautiful and gorgeous models to, you know, fat and, fabulous and amazing, you know, fantastic, different visibility of all different types of people. And that for her and my mom and Rachel, like, I think they loved that because they were, I watched them. They were like in a little balcony seat and I would watch them from backstage and they were giggling and they were drinking wine and they were having <laughs> so much fun. And it was so fun to like, see them enjoy themselves. And then like, you know, have that moment. So I'm so grateful that that happened. I cannot thank the Smoky Mountain Burlesque Festival people enough for like helping me do that. So yeah, so it's nice. It's really good to have their support because I know a lot of people don't. And so I really cherish it. And Truvy, your name, Truvy Trollope. I mean, that's your stage name. That has a Dolly connection, right? 
Yeah. So when I first started doing burlesque, I wanted to call myself Trixie Trailer, the girl from the triple wide. <laughs> and uh, that's kind of my like alter, alter, alter ego when I'm like being real trashy. But anyways, uh, the girl that I was performing with at the time, she told me she was like, everybody's named Trixie, go find something else that's more unique. And so I went back and I was like, who are some actors that I love? Who are some you know, people in movies, characters that I really love and look up to. And I was like, you know, Truvy is like such a iconic part of my life. I was there on set when I was a little kid. My mom. It's still Magnolias. Yeah. So like I have these memories and I have these, you know, connections to that movie. And I was like, okay, Truvy is awesome. What about my last name? And I was like, I wanted it to be an alliteration and I've always been kind of slutty. And Trollope, <laughs> Is Thanks. one of those like Southern words that my yeah, mom and totally dad all is. say. Yeah. And I was just like, that's it. I want to take the stigma away from those words because, you know, I think it's like also identifying as a queer person, you know, I understand how we can take that power back from those words. Mm -hmm. And so using trollop and slutty and whore and all those kinds of mm -hmm. things that people want to use and throw at you and just be like, yeah, whatever. Call me Truby Trollop, you know. And like, <laughs> so I love awesome. to be able to turn it on its head that way. So Truby was Truby. For those of you who don't know, if you don't know, then you need to uh, please mail your gay card back in to yashjesuspod.com. <laughs> and I had but, to. Uh, <laughs> but Do <laughs> Dolly's character uh, of Truby um, from the iconic movie Steel Magnolias uh, and R.I.P. Olympia Dukakis, who just passed away. Um, we. What a legend. Uh, do you have memories from her on set? No, the only memories I have are um, they threw me a birthday party there on set. And it was close to the time where they threw the wedding scene with the armadillo cake. <laughs> right. And I yeah. had an armadillo birthday cake and a, it <laughs> didn't. I thought it was real. I, I got scared and like had to leave my own birthday party. So like, that's the big story was that I threw a huge fit as soon as they cut into it. Cause I thought Take it was me back to the dressing color. room. Yeah. I, I was that kid. Oh no. We would have been best friends. <laughs> Honestly, I'm just like, get, like laughing at the fact that on the set of steel Magnolia's Dolly's niece freaked out about her armadillo cake. Like, it's just like, it makes so much sense. Sense. I know it all makes so much sense. such a could... weird connection, but there it is. <laughs> well, um, as we mentioned, you are Dolly's costume archivist. What does what does that look like? What is, what does that job entail? That's actually a new moniker for me. I have been working for Dolly for about twelve years as um, her personal assistant, as her um, you know assistant to her creative director Steve Summers I've worked with as her manager's secretary like I've done a lot of different things and worn a lot of hats within her company and I've always loved her costumes I've always worked with her work in fashion and done something whether it was rhinestoning things or you know I've rhinestoned all those guitars that you see her play and wow. I've rhinestoned two pianos for tour so wow. how long you know, did that, that take you like um, forever, <laughs> like blood and sweat and tears. Wow. And I've had help. I've had a lot of people help me on those kind of projects, but, yeah. um, a couple of years ago when we started doing more museum exhibits, we did an exhibit at the Grammy museum in LA. And then we did one here at the Opry and, you know, I just felt like we needed 
to make sure that her wardrobe archive wasn't getting lost in the shuffle of everything we were doing because her best friend, Judy Ogle, who has always been with her as an assistant, she really like worked her ass off to save and make sure everything was saved and documented. And so I wanted to continue that for her since she's, you know, kind of retiring and doesn't do as much of that as she used to. And so for me coming into the costume archive to like really get in there and start inventorying everything and putting it, you know, in a digital kind of space so that we could really make sure everything was properly documented was like a huge project that I wanted to like get into. And then when COVID hit, I was lucky because I had tons of work to do that I didn't have to go anywhere. All I had to do was sit in that storage building. And I'm really lucky that I have people that help me. And um, Riley Reed and Vance Nichols are part of my team. And they, you know, get in there and we just archive and clean and just make sure everything's saved and all the pictures go with the right costumes. And I'm telling y'all, Dolly has all of her costumes from the Porter days until now, including a lot of shoes and accessories and just all the kinds of like sparkly things you can think of. Wow. That's so cool. It's really fun. So I'm actually, I'm actually not the curator at her Dollywood museum. Like that's not an official position for me or anything, but I do work in the museum and I do uh, curate and kind of, manage her archives so what's working at dollywood like like what is that (laughs) like i'm sorry like i'm just so impressed by dolly all the time i mean all the kindness i know that uh um the bald eagle was saved by dollywood i remember that being such a big issue growing up when i was in school how we were losing our, our country's our national bird and they created a bald eagle sanctuary at Dollywood. And not only is the bald eagle not even in danger of being endangered anymore, but now there's too many of them. <laughs> like, they, it's like unbelievable. I know. That's major. Remember Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Uh, yes, JTT. Remember? Yes. Yeah, I know. I, well, I loved him. But remember the bald eagle movie that he did in the 90s? Vaguely? Oh, there was like a well, bald eagle or something. Um, yeah, Maybe it was like an adventure movie that he did. Um, anyway, so they mm. used the Eagles from Dollywood for Jonathan Taylor's music or his movie. And Dolly got to meet him when I was about like 14. And I can't tell you the level of jealousy that I had. <laughs> and for Christmas that year, she just gave me an autographed picture of her and him together. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, uh, thanks. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I joined the Jonathan Taylor Thomas fan club when I was around like like 10 years old or something Ugh. and you get the autographed picture in the mail and I literally screamed and then I learned my mom <laughs> totally busted my bubble she's like yeah that, that was probably just printed <laughs> oh no him, him and Devin Sawa I will always be a stand for them oh, Devin Sawa. <laughs> um. <laughs> one thing I'm curious about um is you speak of burlesque um, as an art, as it is. Um, a lot of people don't view it that way, more of the conservative people, I imagine. But um, did you have a mentor uh, that taught you the way of burlesque other than the women that you grew up around? Or Yeah, I started doing burlesque here in Nashville underneath a lady that her stage name is Miss Lollipop. And she ran a burlesque troupe here called Music City Burlesque. And she created that with her husband, the Panty Boy. And um, she really taught me about 
ethics in burlesque and how to be loyal and make sure that the people who came before you are always remembered. Because for me in burlesque, I love the history of burlesque and we have legends that are still alive, that still perform, that used to perform in the sixties and seventies. And even before that, we just lost Tempest Storm who was a very prolific performer and um, she performed with Betty Page and she just died. She was 93. She passed away in Las Vegas, but she had been on stage in the last 10 years. I saw her perform. I was really lucky to be able to meet her and talk to her. And like, I have such reverence for our elders and to be able to have that connection to them and talk to them and hear their stories and see the things that they did. And it's so important too, as a queer person to meet people um, that are also gay that lived through the AIDS epidemic that we can still celebrate today. And we have those burlesque legends. We have, um, one of our legends that passed away a couple years ago, Satan's angel was such a prolific performer in our time. And she was also a lesbian in the sixties and seventies and was out and very, you know, outspoken about it. And then we just had another, we had so many legends pass away this past year because of COVID and we lost our, um, Queen Marinka, who was a transgender performer in the 60s and 70s. Wow. And her, her story is amazing. She wrote a book before she passed away. So if you have an opportunity to read about Marinka, she is amazing. And, you know, those types of people are who mentored me. I'm really lucky to be part of a um, house, you know, in drag, how you have a drag house, a drag mother. Mm-hmm. I have a burlesque mother. Her name is World Famous Bob. And, oh my uh, god, I know Bob. <laughs> Bob is amazing. Yes, I know world famous Bob from Brooklyn. Amazing, yes. Yeah, well, her and Dirty Martini and those women really schooled me on how to act and how to perform and how to be. And Bob is one of those people who is like Dolly. She emanates this light about her and she has this like all-encompassing love for everybody, even the hateful ones that she doesn't like. And that is something that I really love because I'm not that gracious. <laughs> um, but, you know, to be, ra- to be able to be around those people like Dolly and like Bob and to kind of try and soak that up a little bit so that I could not be such a mean girl is... Um, <gasps> oh, did I just sneak that in there? Oh, <laughs> uh, you snuck that in there. You know, I, um, I, you know, I just want to know for our listeners who don't really know Dolly well enough, like... You may know, you may just know her as the country singer with the big boobs and the big blonde hair. Her body has been under scrutiny for her entire adult life. I'm talking tabloids and people and whispers, but she always takes control of the story and the situation. Yes, she has big boobs. She makes jokes about them all the time. Yeah, Dolly doesn't take herself too seriously. And here's what she said about herself: It's a good thing I was born a girl. Otherwise, I'd be a drag queen. But- <laughs> She constantly knows how to make jokes about herself, even jokes about her body. And so here's some other proverbs from St. Dolly. I tried every diet in the book. I tried some that weren't in the book. I tried eating the book. It tasted better than most of the diets. <laughs> um, if I see something sagging, bagging or dragging, I'm going to have it nipped, tucked or sucked. <laughs> <laughs> here's another one. It costs a lot of money to look this cheap, and boy, do oh, I know. <laughs> that is one of her classics. Uh, also, uh, I'm not offended by all the dumb blonde jokes because I know I'm not dumb, and I'm not blonde either. 
<laughs> I absolutely love it. Dolly was one of the first Southern women who talked about spirituality and the fact that her body is a church. It's like I said, I've always felt that she she made sex a safe place and still kind of kept it kind of wholesome. She was mm-hmm. a, like, I, I, I don't want to call her a hoe, but she was like a home, like a whole, like a wholesome hoe. Like, a holy hoe. And, that, and that energy, that energy is really empowering as for women, yeah. for, for gay men, for queer people in general, because it's like, we are, our bodies are constantly under scrutiny and we are, you know, we're always being uh, minimized down to our sexuality. And I think she, by putting that up front, it, it makes you say, well, what else you got? And Dolly backs it up with so much more. I feel like Dolly was able to remove the shame part of sexuality that we mm-hmm. are so inundated with in this country and with like regular Christianity. She was able to remove the shame part and kind of bring that innocence back and that natural sense of this is who we are and this is what we do. And why are you ashamed of it? Because mm-hmm. I'm not. And like, mm-hmm. I think people gravitate to that. Mm-hmm. Truvy, I don't know if you know this. But you are part of, like, Southern royalty. <laughs> so, so, like, I grew up in, in churches, so, so many of our listeners did. And, and I, I lived in Nashville for a few years, so I know when someone says, bless your heart, it's, it's not, <laughs> they're, they're being a, a nice mean, kind of. So, like, growing up, you know, in the South, in, in a very conservative Christian uh, environment, but also being the family that you are, how did you how did you deal with um, naysayers and and those whispers um, of you know of those people in your area? Because I, I I know that there were those little church whispers. <laughs> you know, as a kid growing up in Nashville, being related to Dolly Parton, it was strange because people, when they found out that information about me, it was either they thought it was really cool and it was like a party trick or they didn't think it was cool and they wanted to try and find some way to bully me about it. Um, I did get a lot of like boob jokes thrown at me, like milk carton, Dolly Parton kind of stuff. But honestly, I was so solidified in her being the like person she was like that kind of stuff really didn't bother me as much as um, the things that bother me about my connection with her is when I feel like people want me to be their friend so they can have a bragging right, mm-hmm. you know, but I can kind of spot that stuff really, really close. Um, I'm, I've been this way, you know, I've been living this life my whole life. So <laughs> I can tell if somebody wants to be my friend for bragging rights and that kind of thing. But For me, you know, growing up in Nashville, it's been a strange place. So like when I moved out to LA, it was different because, and also when I was living in San Francisco, you know, people really didn't care. And if I didn't say it, nobody had to know. And, you know, only my close friends who would like come over to my house and be like, uh, why is there this picture of you and Dolly Parton in your room? (laughs) And I'm like, oh yeah, well that was spring break. I'm like, that's my aunt, my mom's sister. So, you know, I don't know. It's such a special bond that she and I have. And I've been so close to her my whole life. I know exactly who she is and I know exactly who she is to me. And so anybody like trying to come up to me and question that or like say negative things about that, I've just never been able to really like, I'm like, yeah, you can say whatever you want, but I know where we're at. She's also an exemplary person, especially when it comes to body positivity and, and, and sex positivity and all of that stuff. I mean, a pioneer, you know, um, 
even as Azzy was saying before, like even all, with all the jokes, she really treats her body with, with, with reverence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she knows that her body is part of what makes her who she is. She knows how different she is and she embraces it and calls us to embrace being the unique creation of God with all our queer little quirks. Um, one of these quotes that, uh, <laughs> that we've been, we've been going over some quotes and here's one that kind of sums that up. I'm not, she says, I'm not going to limit myself just because people won't accept the fact that I can do something else. Dolly does so much. If we're going to even bring up Dolly right now, we got to talk about what Dolly has been doing for coronavirus. Yeah. Right when the coronavirus was spreading in the U.S. in April of 2020, Dolly Parton donated a million doll hairs to Vanderbilt University to help them develop vaccine research. One of those projects that she funded helped make the, Mon- the Moderna vaccine. Like, I mean, hello, who had the Moderna vaccine? Ross, you had that one, right? I, I so. have that one. I just got my second Dolly vaccine yesterday, or actually it was a couple days ago, but yeah, I'm freshly vaxxed with my second shot. But I don't know if you guys know this, but the Moderna shot from Vanderbilt was publicly funded. And so the Moderna people really didn't have to put any money towards that whatsoever. So Dolly actually put more money towards that than Moderna actually did wow. because it was publicly funded from public tax dollars to be wow. created. So I love that about it. But I also kind of hate it because I'm like, now they're making bank off of it. And as a leftist and a liberal, you know, I kind of, I, I get a little about that stuff. And yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I want people to pay attention. I'm so like grateful that she is one of those people that just, you know, when she sees a place where she can help, she does it. And I think that's why she doesn't have to be political with the things that she says or the things that she posts, because you can see where she stands in everything that she does. And she doesn't have to say this or that or the other. She can just be who she is and people know like where she stands. Well, that's I think- so true. It's so inspiring. Yeah. It, 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 being a celebrity is such a difficult thing to navigate in the world, but she, man- she manages to do it with such grace, no matter what is thrown at her. Yeah. It's talent for sure. One of, one of the other things that she's done during uh, the pandemic is she started a YouTube series titled Good Night with Dolly, where she reads bedtime stories to children. Uh, she wanted to do it so that it could provide a welcome distraction to children and their very stressed parents who were all in quarantine at home. And then Dolly returned to Vanderbilt University to get a shot of the vaccine that she helped create. And of course, she didn't just get the shot. She recorded a video of her getting a shot while singing a parody of her own song, Jolene. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Her coronavirus actions have been consistent with her brand for decades. So, Truvi, is this what she's been like when she's not in public? Or is there a, a public dolly and a private dolly? Um, I wouldn't say there's a public and private dolly. I mean, she's definitely a private person and she, you know, has her things that are hers, which I think you have to, to survive the industry. But, um, she's so genuine and she is exactly who you think she is. Um, when you meet her and you're around her, you feel like you've known her forever. And I know that because people tell me that, you know, I don't, (laughs) I've obviously known her forever, but, um, for me, she's been one of those people who's always been there for me in a consistent way that has never faltered when I needed her ever. She's always, um, she's never, you know, she'll definitely tell me when I've messed up. And it, let me tell you, it hurts to get a tongue lashing from her because you don't think that she has that capability, but 
she's a southern woman i know she has that capability (laughs) yeah so like she can definitely get after you and that's only happened a couple of times in my life once when i was a teenager and had a very sassy mouth and i learned my lesson very quick but i mean she really has always been there for me and been so helpful and supportive and loving and you know when i had my daughter she was you know a hundred percent there for me even though you know it was I was young and I had just met the baby's daddy and like, it wasn't a thing that, you know, anybody was like rooting for, but everybody in my family was supportive. And, um, we got married a year later after we had our baby and she walked me down the aisle and, you know, she did like a pre wedding photo shoot with me, like a fairy godmother comes to get me ready for the wedding. And like, those are some sweet and special moments. Cause my grandmother died when I was right out of like right in high school. So to me, Dolly has always kind of been like a grandmother type figure in my life, as well as like a second mom. And so for me, it's like, I don't, she's kind of like my spiritual guide. I've really, I say all the time, like our Lord and Savior, Dolly Parton, but it's true because <laughs> she, she is kind of that savior for me because she's always been, you know, the light in the storm, always, no matter what. And uh, I know it's hard for her to always be, um, the Dolly Parton that she has to be for everybody else. But I hope that she has, you know, those moments to herself when she can have peace and quiet and know that like we love her and she's loved and supported. And, you know, I think she, I think she knows that. So. Mm -hmm. And she's a, she's a devout Christian herself. Correct. I assume so. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have to ask her. I don't know. Let's ask her. Let's give her a call. Uh, I mean, one thing that I remember that you talked about is uh, she has a prayer bench in uh, in like all of the hallways of her home. Is is, is well, that correct? she has a place where she can go to pray and be with God everywhere she is, and you know she has different houses in LA or here. And everywhere that she has a house, she has a a quiet spot that's for her to have that moment. And I think, Mm. you know, for me in my house, I call it my meditation station. And it's Mm. like my table and my seat where I can go and like, you know, really just sit with myself and my thoughts and my ritual and the things that I do for my own spirituality. And so I learned that from her because I, I see how you know, she can have her spirituality anywhere she goes, her body. And she has to. She yeah, can't like really, she can't she can't really show up at church, like anywhere in the South, especially. <laughs> yeah. You know, she she's can't like, really go to church. She can't really go to Kroger or the Target. <laughs> she has a lot of songs about Jesus, though, and she often talks about God. And, and one of her quotes is, God is in everything I do and all of my work glorifies him, uh, which I think is uh, very beautiful. Chuby, uh, can you talk about Dolly's faith? Has it impacted your own faith? Yes. Um, it's definitely been the reason why I have maintained a relationship with God because of her and her music and the things that she sings about and the way that she sings about them. I say jokingly, but kind of seriously, everything I learned about Jesus, I learned in Dolly Parton songs. <laughs> but that's true because we didn't really grow up going to church all the time. You know, I feel like my mom and my dad both kind of were just very, very religiously exhausted by the time they became adults from their parents. And so like, we didn't, we weren't devout 
Christians. We weren't devout churchgoers when I was growing up. But the things I knew about were from the songs that I knew because I know every single Dolly song. What's, what sort of things were? What sort of things were? Was that like that you picked up? Like in her song "The Seeker," you know, that's one of those really important songs in my life because I feel like, you know. I'm able to be who I am without feeling like I have this judgment on me to know exactly right now. You know, I am a seeker, a poor sinful creature. There is no weaker than I am. Like, of course, that's me. That's all of us when we're in that moment. And so I feel like for, for her songs, they speak to me in a way that I can digest because it's not like a preacher at church trying to, you know, put the Bible and the Bible verses, you know, into my head. Cause I just, I've never felt seen or supported at church or by regular Christian ways. You don't need to be true, but you really don't need to be. That's the greatest part is like, we don't have to be judged because Jesus did it for us. Like, honestly, like people are always like, well, what's going to happen to you at judgment day? I tell you what's going to happen to me at judgment day is I'm just going to tap Jesus on the shoulder and be like, not me, him. Like he, <laughs> he did it for me already. Talk to him. I'm good. I'm good. I got. I'm with. I'm, I'm with. The, I'm with. I'm with Jesus. I'm with the DJ. And I learned that from Dolly. That like full acceptance of who you are and being able to just be who you are because that's the beautiful part of you. And God made you. So just go out and be who God made you. And like for me, I am so excited to see things like what you're doing to include people that are queer who have never felt like they were seen in Christianity to know that they're not wrong and they're not bad and their existence is valid and they are loved and they are seen and supported and they can have faith and know that there is, you know, something for them. And I, you know, I think that's such an important thing for the next generation to realize and understand. Cause I feel like our generation was really kind of beat over the head with the, no, 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 you don't fit. You're not allowed. Mm-hmm. That's very true. And Dolly has been a friend to the marginalized, specifically to the LGBTQ community um, for ever. And if entering yourself into a drag contest isn't enough of a queer icon move, listen to this quote from her. I've had to go against all kinds of people through the years just to be myself. I think everybody should be allowed to be who they are and to love who they love. And truly, Truvy, you you shared a really sweet story of uh, your child and your baby daddy. Um, Are you comfortable sharing that with us? Sure, I would love to. And I talked to them and they were comfortable with it as well. So that's definitely a big part of my story um, that Dolly fits into and shows her, you know, love and acceptance for people. Um, My baby's daddy and I did not stay married for very long. We were married for about two years and then uh, we divorced and I came back to Nashville and they stayed out in LA. And um, I knew that they had always had gender dysphoria, but I didn't know if they would ever be able or want to transition. And I think, um, you know, for my ex, she, she goes by, she pronouns now because she is transgender. And that was, you know, a point in our relationship when, you know, I felt like she needed to be herself and she didn't have the opportunity, I think, because she was trying to be a dad 
to our kid. And so I think when we divorced and we moved back to Tennessee, I think she kind of had the moment alone to herself to know that she could live for herself and transition and do that. And so, you know, she, my ex-wife, her name is Josie and um, Josie ended up moving back to Nashville a few years ago. And when she moved back, Dolly offered her a job here with her uh, property manager who takes care of her properties here in Nashville. And so, you know, she feels supported and, I also have a house with an apartment renovated into it for her. And so we live together and we, you know, co-parent and raise our kid. And it's important to me, you know, to be able to support her and she supports me and we support our kid. And it's like, you know, we, we didn't go through the best divorce. We were not friends back then. It was a very nasty divorce. And so there was like a huge custody battle and all of that stuff. But that was before she transitioned. And so I feel like a lot of that was because of her, you know, inability to be authentic because everything changed for us once she was able to be her authentic self. And so now living together and raising our kid together, um, our kid came out as gender fluid this past year, uh, maybe a year and a half ago. And so they go by she, they pronouns and Mm -hmm. For me to be able to support my kid and to show up for them and validate them and be able to, you know, just let them be themselves and flourish into that. I feel like that's such a huge blessing, you know, to be able to just love your kid through them being themselves and to affirm that for them and to have the support of my family and my mom and my aunt Dolly and my aunt Rachel, who all support Josie and my kid. And, you know, it's like having your family, they don't understand it and they don't always get it right. You know, there's still sometimes those moments where the pronoun is wrong or the dead name happens, but I know their intent and I know they're trying. And like Josie knows that too. And we've talked about that a lot because she's like, you know, has to be in these scenarios sometimes that are just uncomfortable with people in the South, but she knows that we're there for her and that she has us as a support system. And, you know, I think that shows really the amazing depth of my mom and Dolly and, you know, my aunt Rachel and the other people in my family too. But those three specifically, those women, you know, they're from that generation that shouldn't be so open and understanding. Yeah, I know. It's always amazing when they are. And I think Dolly has been like an incredible person. Um, Yeah, it's, it's just so incredible. I think that's so wonderful and such a testament to why Dolly has been so successful. Dolly is a brilliant businesswoman, could be a billionaire. Uh, but she owns she owns a catalog of songs, so she gets a licensing for all of them. Besides Dollywood, she has shows and entertainment all over East Tennessee, keeping the entertainment money coming in. Uh, when she let Whitney Houston sing her song, I Will Always Love You, for the movie Bodyguard, it introduced her song to a whole new generation, and the Whitney Houston version went on to appear everywhere, making her even more money. But she keeps giving her money away. Dolly grew up poor, and she always seems to remember where she came from. That's why you always hear her referencing alopecia and backwards barbie in her songs like never forgetting where she was she's the true dolly from the mountain block 
Yeah, and she even founded the Dolly Parton Imagination Library that mails a book a month to children between zero to five years old. And the program has sent over 150 million books to kids in the United States, United Kingdom, Canada, Australia, and Ireland. So did you did you get the books as a kid, Danny or Truvy? I was too old. That was kind of before my time. But my daughter did get them. Okay. My kiddo. So that was kind of fun to be able to get Dolly's book in the mail. Nice. I love that. One one of the best songs um, that I think shows uh, her Christian beliefs and her support for the LGBTQ community is with the song Traveling Through for the movie Transamerica. Um, for those who don't know, it's it's a film about a transgender woman reconnecting with her son and traveling across the country. And the song is a gospel song filled with beautiful lyrics that talk about us all being pilgrims and walking through this life and longing to be whole. I, I love that song. It's a beautiful, beautiful gospel song. One of my favorite lines in that song is God made me for a reason and nothing is in vain. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, for gay people and people who don't feel like you know, that's their truth to hear Dolly tell you like, this is it. You got to mm-hmm. believe it. Dolly said it. <laughs> you told us, you know, uh, that uh, uh, Dolly has uh, gay, uh, gay siblings and trans people in her life and is surrounded by a, a group of queer people and has always been so accepting. Uh, we think that that is so incredible, uh, especially coming, you know, being an icon of the South. Um, being a beacon of hope and a light to that community, you can just tell that uh, you can just tell from Dolly's persona and what the, her art and what she puts out there that she'd be like, well, as long as they're loving and it ain't hurting nobody, it's none of my business. You know, she would have like that attitude about uh, about life and, and just really made me feel comfortable as a kid in my skin. So I'm so grateful for you to join us and uh, and, you know, sharing uh, these memories and I thank God for your St. Dolly. Thank you. Um, I thank God for her every day also. And, um, and thank you, uh, for St. Truly Trollop. <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> where can people find you? Where are you performing next? Uh, where can people search you out? So my next performance will be my first performance back since COVID at, um, Viva Las Vegas. Uh, the Rockabilly Weekender happening in September, which is going to be a huge festival celebrating rockabilly culture and pinup girls and burlesque. So that's going to be my first big show back. But you can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram. You can find me on all the socials, all that stuff. I'm on TikTok doing silly stuff. And, you know, I'm recording my what are your handles? album. What are your handles on all those on TikTok? Either at Truby Trollope or at yours, Truby. Okay, and your solo album, tell us about that. Yeah, so I have been a musician my whole life as well as a dancer, and I've been in bands before. I've recorded band group albums, but I've never done a solo album of my own songs, everything that I wrote. And so I'm getting ready to do my first solo record, and I'm so excited. And um, I got a couple of songs already done, so I'm just waiting to finish everything up. Well, let us know if you've got something that you think would be great on the show. We'd love to play one of them and close and close it on another episode uh, when you're ready um, to release your album. Um, we'd love to play one of your songs uh, for us. You guys, uh, we have a tied love offering charity act of good to ask of you. What is it, Azzy? 
Yes, you are. This is not an ask. This is a demand. So you are going to get into Dolly's discography, okay? Are you listening to me right now? You can listen to her old songs, which are really sad ballads, or empowering songs like 9 to 5, or even a gay disco track with Gallinus called Faith. So... That your tithe act of good for this week is to get into Dolly's discography and to learn more about Truvy Trollope. So follow her, watch her perform, and support her work. And you said that in, you're, you're performing in Vegas in September? Yes, at the Rockabilly oh, Theater. Honey, I'm going to be there because I adore you. And I, you know, I lived in Vegas for five years. They have a really great, or they, they did at least, I don't, um, a burlesque museum. And I remember going to that and this is i've never been to a burlesque show but it's something that i've always been so intrigued by so in you, 2019 you john waters hosted the show so it's gonna be fun <sighs> well i just i cannot thank both of you enough for having me on your show i love what you're doing i feel so grateful that you had me to be a part of it and like i always say jesus saves but truby trollop delivers <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it uh, let's close it. Yes. <laughs> let's close with prayer. Uh, dear God, we want to thank you today for St. Dolly uh, and for all of these amazing stories that Truvia shared with us and for her, uh, and us being able to gather together for this fellowship and just celebrating an incredible icon and ally. Uh, we'd like to th- we'd like to say some thanks to Amazon for standing up to the anti-LGBTQ authors, letting people know that conversion therapy is not therapy and does not work, Lord. Please help us continue to send that message. Um, And we want to just like lift up the happy wedding couple in Philadelphia. Prayers for a smooth, smooth wedding. And uh, for Alec and uh, COVID confessions, may, may that story reach people and be able to tell their stories. And we pray for... I like to have a great presentation at the Pride Human Rights Conference. Mm-hmm. And Lord, once again, thank you for Truly Trollope and yes. her ministry. We are so grateful. Amen. Thank you so much, Trudy, for joining us again. Um, and thank you all at home for listening to me and Azzy on another episode of Yash Jesus. Uh, you can find us on social media at Yash Jesus Pod or on our website at yashjesuspod.com. You can now leave an audio prayer request or praise report on our website, yesjesuspod.com. We would love to share your voice and your prayers on the show, so drop us a line or send us a recording on yesjesuspod.com. Send us your praise reports, your prayer request, episode ideas, guest ideas, or even just a hallelujah! We would love to hear from you. Yes, Jesus is hosted by me, Danny Franzese, and... And the, the up-and-coming burlesque dancer, Azariah Southward. <laughs> Music, sound, editing, and all things audio are done by Chris Heckman. Our show is produced by the freaking deacon, Ross Murray. Special thanks to Sophie Serrano and Meredith Pauly. Yash Jesus is brought to you by Oddity. Oddity execs are Ryan Lochner, Jessica Bustillos, and Steve Michaels. We will always be streaming and screaming on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, rate us on Apple Podcasts, and remember, God loves you just as you are. So keep praising the Lord, y'all. Yes, Jesus!